This is the Truth Network. Coming to you from an entrenched barricade deep in the heart of Central North Carolina. Masculine Journey After Hours. A time to go deeper and be more transparent on the topic covered on this week's broadcast. So sit back and join us on this adventure. The Masculine Journey After Hours starts here now. Welcome to Masculine Journey After Hours. This week we've been uh, talking about our, our friend, uh, our friend Vinny. Wasn't our cousin. <laughs> but our, our brother Vinny. And uh, the life that he lived. And, and he, if you didn't join us for the first part of the show, Vinny passed away a little over a week ago. And uh, we did our first segment uh, on Masculine Journey Radio Show on just talking about his life. We're going to continue to do that in the after hours and probably share a little bit uh, deeper, more intimate stories. You know, about Vinny and, and, and what it really means when you walk with a group of men, you know, through things. Because you go through life together, and life is not always easy. And in Vinny's case, you know, he had a an angle on life that I think a lot of people just... I never saw anybody, you know, most men, he would begin to talk about the mafia. And immediately, you know, since you sound like you're talking to John Gotti, you know, you're like, oh, this... It sounds extremely authentic. Well, he did, because he wasn't just Italian. He was Sicilian. And he wasn't just Sicilian. He was from a very particular Sicilian family, Beninos. And, and, and I helped do his family tree, and I could see that this was the deal. And, and you didn't have to talk to him long. And, and I remember one of his favorite things to talk about was the mustache Pete's. You remember? Oh, yeah, I do. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, and how you always that, that, had these respect. were these guys yeah. that were like sitting on the cracker boxes or something, and they were on the corner, and they were the ones that all the money got delivered to, and I'm assuming they got mustaches, but these were the guys, and from Vinny's perspective, you know, like if they found out like somebody's son was homosexual, like they, it was time to put on cement sneakers and put him in the river. I mean, and these were things that you know Vinny l- lived this stuff. And, and, you know, this was... Yeah, one of my, my favorite stories about Vinny, you were talking music one time, and he said something about Billy Joel. He's like, oh, he was my paper boy. What a punk. I used to smack him in the head. I'd hide behind the door. He'd walk in and smack him in the head. You know, but he could play the piano. <laughs> you know, Vinny just knew everybody. He did. You know, one of the, the cool things for me is, you know, Vinny would share stories with us that he wouldn't necessarily share on the air and I won't I won't share those those stories out of respect for him a lot of them but you know he'd tell us about uh, things that he knew of you know in the mafia world and being raised in that era and uh, he knew a lot of the people and and one of the funny things he would do is he would say something he was blind but I would get quiet and he'd go look I know you're looking it up already on the on the web you're looking it up on the web <laughs> You know, just go ahead and look it up. On the Google. On the Google. You're on the Google. You're on the Google. You're looking it up. And so, you know, I, I would look it up, and it would be right. But then I went to visit my daughter in uh, Vegas, and they have the American Mob Museum there. And what was really pretty cool is I went in, and all this stuff Vinny had been telling me was just right there. And I'm like, I knew who that guy was. I knew who that guy was. I knew who that guy was. I know what role they kind of played. Did they have Vinny the Bat up there? They did not have Vinny the Bat or his dad. <laughs> you know, but they kind of stayed, you know, yeah, hidden, I guess. They but, were. Uh, you know, they were able to walk through that. But uh, uh, on the uh, line, we've got a friend of uh, Vinny's, Murr. I wanted to ask you a question about, you got to know Vinny just a few years back, and you got to meet him when he was at the final facility that he lived in, correct? That's correct. And uh, hi, guys. I haven't seen you since the last time we spoke on the show, but thanks for having me. 
Oh, we're glad to have you. Yeah. Now, when you... Uh, hey, first off, I, I, I just met him a couple of years back when he was at um, the facility there in Thomasville, and I learned a lot about his uh, faith. That was where we saw eye-to-eye on. It's interesting listening to you guys talk about his past even further back, and, and I learned a lot from you guys just hearing the stories. Hey, he had them, I can assure you. Oh, yeah. There, <laughs> there was not a lack of stories uh, with Vinny, but you know, when you live that many years and you live that variety of a life, you're going to have a lot of stories. One of the things I want to ask you about, Murr, was he, he really had a heart for loving others. Now, can you tell a little bit about the ministry he had there at the, at the facility? Yeah, absolutely. Um, he definitely had a heart for people and sharing the love of Jesus with them in different fashions, uh, through music or just reading or um, just sharing stories. And uh, I, I met him when he was kind of in despair. You know, of course, anyone that's going to be in a nursing home by themselves and blind and just kind of at the whim of whatever care you can get, he, he was obviously irritated in the beginning but um he was a he's a happy fella and always wanted to talk um depending on his roommate sometimes they get along well and sometimes not so much but uh not <laughs> due to him not trying uh, but uh yeah he he uh, really clinged to me in the beginning uh just to let your listeners know I, I started out as the executive director of that facility and later left that field altogether to start my own ministry uh, for seniors and other elderly uh, veterans and things. And I just clicked with him. He was our first participant of our program. And I remember the simple task the first time I uh, asked him, well, what would it take to make you happy outside of um, getting you out of here? (laughs) And uh, he said, you know what? I'm Italian. I just really miss Italian food. So I said, well, how about if we take you out to a good Italian meal? That makes you happy. And he said, of course. So we took him out. Um, and uh, we went to uh, Olive Garden. I don't know how Italian that is. but uh, in, in <laughs> He would have told compared you. <laughs> to, yeah, compared to the uh, institution of food, it put a super smile on his face. And so I, I think that was the first time he'd been out in a while. And uh, he just, he was on cloud nine. And so when he came back over the next few months, he asked, instead of you just coming to pray with me and, you know, read Bible and just visit, how about if you help me do that for others here at the facility? And I said, well, <laughs> Alrighty then, I'd love to hear that. And uh, so we had a volunteer at that point named Becky Carter, and we kind of, for lack of a better term, we assigned her to him. And uh, it it was like a pair made in heaven. They they uh, clicked, and every I believe it was Friday at two o'clock, I got with the activity director, and they started putting him a uh, Vinny on the calendar as a preacher of sorts. And our our girl Becky would help read Jesus Calling the book with him based on what he wanted to read. Of course, being blind, it was a struggle at first, but they really clicked well. And, and um, it started out as just a little reading aloud 
for her, and then he would preach about it. And then um, he wanted to bring a boom box for some hymns and some other music, and it started out. Then he had, like, literally just one or two people that came to listen. And by the time, at its peak, when he was in good health, I'd, when I'd visit on a Friday, I'd see 9, 10, 11 people sometimes. So he, he got a little following of his own. It was really sweet. It and, was. Uh, and I watched, uh, when I was there a few times when Becky would come in with her kids. And, man, he mm-hmm. loved those kids, too. Oh, gosh, yes. He was like their granddad. <laughs> Grandpa, Grandpa, Grandpa. (laughs) (laughs) Two sets of twins, and they took to him like just uh, chocolate chip cookies, man. He was the best of them, and they were always asking about him. Yeah. Well, Murr, thank you for calling in. We greatly appreciate it, and thank you for the love that you had for Vinny and and really just the time that you brought him over here that we could spend our last show with him, and that meant the world to us, and I don't know how much we could really Uh, tell you we appreciated that, and I know Vinny did too. Well, I appreciated the opportunity to get to know him and to get to know you guys and what you do. And um, I'm really going to miss Danny. And, and that, the love I have for him is, is not just because he's one of our participants. We were actual friends, and I'm really going to miss him. And so is my wife. So. Well, thank you, sir. And thank you for what you're doing for, for uh, the, the people out there that need your love and need God's love. And, and thank you for continuing that tradition. Yeah, especially in, this, right. in this season. No kidding. That, uh, this coronavirus scare has really shut our foundation down until you know further notice, really. We can uh, talk by phone and things like that, but we're not allowed in any of the facilities right now. So it's a sad time for us, but uh, I, I appreciate you guys uh, letting me in on the call, and, and uh, God bless Vinny. So. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Right. Now, the um, Vinny... Yeah, as we said on the other show, you never know what you're going to get with Vinny. That you got real. What you did. Let me rephrase that. You knew you were always going to get authentic, Vinny. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one thing you did know. You know, Robbie, you probably got more authentic Vinny than anyone in the room. <laughs> oh, I got yeah. Yeah, the, I can remember some times that uh, things were on both sides of the equation with you guys. Oh yeah, yeah, but it, it you know, that was the thing. Because we were family. Like, I was never afraid that if I completely expressed myself to Vinny, that he wouldn't like, you know, that we wouldn't be brothers anymore. And, and you know, there are times he clearly expressed to me things that he thought. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, about, you know, you never knew. He was going to tell you, like, if somebody he thought was hurting you, you know, he was ready to hire somebody to, to take care of it, you know, whatever he needed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was one of my experiences with Vinny. I was sharing a story about one of my children and uh, how he, um, they were having a hard time with a person kind of picking on him, you know, r- really beyond that a little bit. And, you know, Vinny was pretty quiet, and all of a sudden he said, you know what, I'll tell you what, I'll just hire a couple of Goombas. We'll go take care of that problem. And I'm like, Vinny, I, I don't want to kill anybody. <laughs> He's like, no, you don't have to kill him. You can get the point across. And I'm like, well, well, I'll let you know if I need that, okay? But we'll kind of, But he was serious. He had your back. He loved you. He was going to do whatever he could to help you. You know, and I think we had a variety of people age-wise that's always been around Vinny. You know, from, from kids of Eli's age at the time that was seven, eight, nine, at, you know, meeting him at boot camp and, and Caleb. But then even in our group of 
the, the Band of Brothers, we had people from their 30s up. You remember how Chris Jones yeah. had just connected with Vinny and Al connected with Vinny. And, and, you know, that was just, that was one of the neat things that we, you know, we got to see as part of, you know, using what we were learning about the stages of the masculine journey and that sages are, are of great value. And, and so many men really are crying out for that in their lives. And where do you get it? You know, where do you yeah. get it? Well, that's one of the great things you did, Robbie, is bring people like, like Gaither and, and Harold and, and Vinny into the group, you know, along the way you know, via boot camps and, and involve them with us to where we could, you know, learn from what they've gone through. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. God, I put, God put him in my, my life, and so it's kind of the same thing, and he put him in, in all our lives. But, you know, we have a couple of... I, I thought you'd be grateful I didn't include you in the age bracket. I, I am actually, cause, but you know, I started this. I wasn't quite this old, and neither was Vinny. He was in his seventies. Yeah. Well, this is a, a clip actually when Al was hosting the show. Right. And, and Al was talking to him. Uh, do you remember what the question he even asked him? I think we get to it here. But let's listen to Vinny's response. Oh, Al actually asked the question in the clip, so you can hear it. Oh yeah. Uh, the Italian family. You know what? What is like. So let's listen to what he had to say. Vinny, come from an Italian family. Yeah, well, the machismo in, background. Huh. Well, in an Italian family, it's, uh, you know, just be quiet. Here comes Dad. I'd open the door if there was a bunch of noise going on. I stepped back, closed the door, opened it up again, and it was quiet. And I don't know how everybody else does it, but I think I'm the <laughs> oldest guy here. I've been married uh, 44 years to my first wife. I passed away, and now I'm married seven years. Uh, for me, it was uh, just listening and laughing. Oh, did that bother my wife? I stopped laughing as soon as the finger came up and she started to point. <laughs> now, Robbie, I want to ask you about the pointing of the finger here in a second, but we talked a little bit be before the show, and, and the part where he kind of just glosses over the, I'd, I'd open the door... You know, and then I close and I'd open it again. There's a part of that that's kind of scary. You know, when you listen to it, he says it nicely, but it's kind yeah, of it sounds like he's all laid back and everything. Yeah. Yeah, but let me just tell you that, you know, those kids knew that Vinny had a stick and he knew how to use I mean, it, you know, those were the way he was brought up was that, you know, there wasn't a spare of the rod, believe me. And I'm, you can be assured that he had, he had brought them up. And you could hear the way he said it even. It's like... There was laughing, and then, you know, and they knew, they knew. And so, yeah, yeah, that was an Italian family. Yeah, but there was also, you heard at the end, a little bit of a higher order there, too, as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, there was Rita. Yeah. yeah. And Rita apparently had Vinny, but, but actually, when you heard about his dad, he would tell this story, and I wish I could find it. I looked and looked and looked, because I know he told it on the air, but I could oh, not find the episode. If you remember, he was supposed to be at his grandmother's house for dinner on Sunday afternoon, mm -hmm. and it was like at two o'clock. <laughs> this is so Vinny. This and I, I, you know, the way he told this story, you had to believe it. So he's out playing stickball at two o'clock, and he looks up, and here comes his dad in the Cadillac, flying across the ball field, right? Like, and he's on third base, and here comes the Cadillac, and according to him, his dad tried to run him down. <laughs> Like, you're going to die because you are not at your m grandmother's house for dinner at 2 o'clock. And, and so can you even imagine? I mean, you're out there playing stickball, and here comes this guy's 
straight straight for you. You remember? Yeah, I do. I remember him talking about that. and It really hurt his feelings. It did, but it also, <laughs> that was part of that code and that honor that got, yeah. that kind of got you know, imparted to him, I guess we'll call it that way. Right, right. And he would, he would tell many stories about his dad, but that was the other one. And another one, do you remember the time that, that he was supposed to beat up the kid and he didn't? Mm-hmm. And I forget what all happened, but I just remember it had a huge impact on Vinny. Like, you're not going to take any guff from, you know, you're not going to be a Menino. And, you know, so he had, he had a different kind of thing. So, you know, when I listen to that clip, I hear what is in the background of it. and know Oh, yeah, and, and the stories that he shared. And, you know, he had the uncle that loved him well, that, that treated him, you know, very much loved on him. Right. Quite a bit. And, you know, he had a lot, of, a lot of stories about him. I can't remember his name right off the top of my head. And a lot of stories of his dad. Um, that was a struggling relationship early on. But, it, you know, th- towards the end, that kind of came full circle. And Vinny shared that on the air as well. Yeah, it meant a lot. What actually happened was his father wouldn't accept Rita because, you know, they were very, very strict Catholic. And Rita had been married before. A- and so, as it turned out, his father, when he became elderly had to come live with Vinny and he watched how Vinny was taking care of Rita and you know just actually you know became you know thinking that Rita was the greatest thing since sliced bread is the way that Vinny put it but then one day at the dinner table he tells Vinny you're a real man mm-hmm. and he said that to Vinny in a way that Vinny took it to mean you're more a man than I yeah and and you know that was a rite of passage for Vinny. It was a huge thing. And when he shared that, you, you really got a sense of how important your father's words are to you. And the family was so important to Vinny. You know, we were part of his extended family. But his family was so important to him and the love of his grandkids. Um, the boys and I were able to meet one of his granddaughters at, at the facility. And she was there loving on him. And just watching that exchange a little bit was pretty cool. But then we got a chance to be on the radio show with Paul. Exactly. And Paul's his, his grandson that's now in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. That's correct. And uh, is a preacher. And so we're doing a show with Paul. And we're going to play a couple of clips from that. But the, the first one is uh, uh, when Paul's getting ready to come on the show. And we're introducing Paul. And listen to how Vinny talks about him. Vinny, would you like to tell who our guest is today? I would love to. But my eyes are all watered up here <laughs> just on the introduction here. It's my grandson, Paul. Paul Menino in Pennsylvania. I am so proud of him. I know a lot about him and the life he's had to lead. Of course, I was there for him, and so was his grandma and his mom. And not to be on the same show with Paul, who is now, you know, from that little squirt running around on the carpet on the floor, 37 years old, and has made a wonderful life for himself and is with God. In many ways, many ways, this young man has brought me to God. I love you, Paulie. I love you with all my heart. Hey, Paul, uh, now that, you know, Vinny has really Paulie. built you up, you better be good. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we know you will be. And, and, and you could, yeah, you can hear how much, uh, obviously, your grandpa loves you, but I know that's uh, no surprise to you. And actually, that's, I wanted to begin with asking you a question. Your grandpa had has been in your life pretty much a, a lot of the way, and, and it's been a pretty good relationship for you, hasn't it? <laughs> pretty good would be an understatement. Uh, like he said, I'm, I'm 37 years old, and 
when I was two, um, my dad uh, walked out on my family. And so um, I was left at a young age really looking for some adult male role model. And uh, I always had it in my grandpa. Uh, we lived in New York for the first seven years of my life, and then we moved to North Carolina, and my grandma and grandpa followed after us. And so uh, most of my childhood, I, I can remember being at my grandma and grandpa's house watching satellite TV. In the summertime, it meant watching the Mets, and in the wintertime, it meant watching the Rangers and learning about New York and Italian stuff and mafia and what real food is and all that <laughs> stuff. <laughs> all the good stuff. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it was, uh, Paul was really, really special to Vinny because Paul had, you know, gone into the ministry and and Paul shared his love for the Mets, you know, and if you ever prayed with Vinny, ever prayed with Vinny, anybody, everybody in the room is now shaking their heads because they know this, that at the end of it, whatever season, if it was baseball season, let's go Mets, all right? Let's go Giants. Let's go Rangers. You know that we, he he kept up with the whole deal. That was his; those were his teams, and and that meant the world to him. That Paul followed those with him. And Paul not only followed him. You know, there was a long time. You know, until Vinny just couldn't really answer the phone anymore. That, that Paul would pretty much call him daily and give him updates on sports. Yeah. You know, and tell him everything that was going on. You know, and, and actually right to the end because yeah. I, I mean, I visited you know Vinny a couple of weeks ago and he was still hearing from Paul. So I got to talking. I'm glad y'all brought that up because I wasn't sure because he couldn't see. It's like he, he didn't, he couldn't get on the web like you said. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would talk to him because I'm a Cardinals fan and I'd go and see him and I'd kind of talk to him about the team. And I was like, how does he know all this stuff? And I don't think he told me. So I know the inside story now. That's yeah, yeah, put that Paul. together. Yeah, Paul would tell him everything that was going on from spring training all the way through. Incredible. Yeah, they had long conversations. But this last clip is kind of long, and we got to get it in here. So yeah, we do. It's it. it you, you can set it up better because you're the one that did it. Yeah, it it was a show um, about you know leaving a legacy and the importance of leaving a legacy, and I had chosen a, a clip from uh, the movie The Bucket List, you know, and it's uh, when J- Jack Nicholson's character is talking about his friend that had had passed away and the impact that he had and. Um, it's a very hard clip to listen to just now having had a friend that we cared deeply about that had an impact on us pass away but uh, going to go ahead and play the clip and then in the part that's after that as he talks about the legacy and we'll come back and talk about it good afternoon my name is Edward Cole I, I don't know what most people say at these occasions because in all honesty, I, I've tried to avoid them. The simplest thing is, I loved him, and I miss it. Carter and I saw the world together, which is amazing. When you think that only three months ago, we were complete strangers. I hope... Doesn't sound selfish of me, but the last months of his life were the best months of mine. He saved my life, and he knew it before I did. 
deeply proud that this man found it worth his while to know me. In the end, I think it's safe to say that we brought some joy to one another's lives. So, one day when I go to some final resting place, if I happen to wake up next to a certain wall with a gate, I hope that Carter's there to vouch for me and show me the ropes on the other side. In Vinny, I want to come to you and actually say that, you know, there's been so many ways that I know that you, you sometimes see yourself as a, a blind man who's advanced in age, but you've made a huge impact on all of our lives. You've touched all of our lives, and that was part of that last clip as well, is to let you know, it's yes, with Paul, but also you continue to touch his and our lives as well. And so we want to thank you for that. As we got about uh, a minute or two left here, Vinny, I want to ask you about, as you look back over your relationship with Paul, how proud does it make you that he stepped into that place where he's helping other people with this legacy? Very, very, very surprised. Uh, I thought he was going to play for the Mets. Uh, you know, he was into sports. And then all of a sudden there was this change in him. And I don't know if I contributed to it because at that time I lost my wife. And that's when I found God. And I think Paul and the rest of my family were kind of surprised how I was as they say, born-again Christian, but uh, that probably was a stepping stone for Paul and for me because it made a great difference in my life because, uh, I mean, I wake up every day uh, just hoping that I could satisfy him in whatever I do for that day with love for everyone. And that's the way uh, Vinny lived his life, with love for everyone. And I think that's one of the things that I want us to never forget as a group is how much he loved each one of us, how much he prayed for each one of us. And although he was very opinionated on how we should live our lives, <laughs> he knew that it was our life to live, and he loved us through it along the way. And I love that line from Jack Nicholson, and I think about all of us, that what an honor it is to have all these people that want to know our story. Yeah. And Vinny, you know, shared his story, but he, he shared our story with us, too. And like I said, he loved us every step of the way. Go to masculinejourney.org to listen to some of the past podcasts featuring Vinny.